Welcome to Mindsets to Methods, the podcast for teenagers and their parents with teen coach Arthur C. Woods and Elizabeth Joy Woods. So I'm on a phone call, a video call with one of our favorite people. And I said, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm walking. And I was like, yeah, I know. I can see that you're walking. (laughs) And I was like, but what are you doing? And she's like, I don't know what you mean. I'm walking. So I kind of rolled my eyes at her and smiled. And then she's like, oh, oh, I'm going to my friend's house. We're going to have dinner together. And I was like, oh. Mm. Sounds like there was almost a breakdown in communication. Uh, Yes. It almost sounds like it was an intentional breakdown in communication. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Exactly. What a segue. Well, hey, everyone. (laughs) This is Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely and talented wife, Elizabeth Joy. And uh, today, yes, we are going to talk about communication and uh, welcome you to the Mindsets to Methods podcast. So communication, kind of a big topic uh, to talk about in in one like 15 minute podcast. Yeah, we have a lot to communicate about communication. That's true. We can do it though. We absolutely can. So, can. so if you're listening to this, you're probably either a teenager or the parent of a teenager. And even if you're neither of those things, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here too. But our first kind of question for the day is, in what ways do teenagers typically communicate today? Because it's a little different than when you and I were growing up. It definitely is. I mean, obviously, the first thing that comes to my mind is their phone. Yes. You know, they they communicate on their phone. Like they pick up the phone and they make telephone calls on their phone. Well, funny you should say that. When I was growing up, I had a pen pal. Did you ever have a pen pal? That's adorable. I don't know. I wasn't a very good. I probably did, but I wasn't a very good one myself. Okay. Didn't last long. Well, I, I met. I met this, I we were just elementary school kids, and I met this little girl, and, and her name was Giggles. What? Yeah, I, I, it was a nickname. Okay, but, obviously. Uh, anyway, she was like, at the, at the last day of camp, she was like, do you want to be my pen pal? And That's I didn't adorable. even know what that was, so I had to ask her what that was. But anyway, she and I were pen pals, which, I mean, lasted about 10 minutes after camp. Of but, course, yeah. But she would write me letters, and then like physically write a letter on a piece of paper and yeah. get an envelope and get a stamp and mail it to me and it would take so much to get to me and oh then and then like four months would go by and then I would write a letter and and I would get an envelope and a stamp and mail it to her and and you know so it's a little different these days yeah, in terms of sure. what communication is I kind of like our technology better today than uh, and, and remember uh well when you and I were dating long long distance phone calls yeah we had to like pay extra yeah i remember and you had to do it at like seven o'clock at night when the rates went lower otherwise it was like crazy expensive (laughs) these are the things that we had to think about exactly our high school years were so challenging yeah so as as you're listening to this podcast and we're talking about communication the question i want to kind of first ask you or i guess technically second ask you because we already asked a first question but the question i want to ask you is with whom do you struggle most in communicating? All right. So I know the listeners can't answer us mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. but I would love for for you as the listener to get a name in your head. Who do you struggle with the most? When you think about communicating, who do you have difficulty uh, speaking with or or having important conversations with? Who is that person in your life, whether you're a teenager or the parent of a teenager? Who is that person? 
you have a name in your head right now? I won't make you say who that person is, but it might be me. Uh, it's not you. I don't feel like I have trouble communicating with you, but typically I feel, um, I struggle to communicate with people who I feel under pressure to respond to in a certain way. Like I, or I'm not going to have enough time to articulate a thought and actually verbalize it. I struggle with that sometimes. So I can think of some people where I'm kind of just like, it doesn't really work well for me. That was some interesting communication you just expressed there. (laughs) That was, yeah. Yeah, I have I have someone in my mind, uh, but I'm not going to mention this person because maybe they're listening and Ooh. wow. And then, wow, that would just not communicate what I want to communicate. <laughs> but, yeah, I think most of us can identify at least one person in our life, you know, with whom we kind of struggle to communicate. And so today what we want to do is is talk about two different forms of communication and how we can kind of get better at that. So uh, one of the things that that I've noticed. I was a youth pastor for about 10 years. Now I'm a life coach for two teenagers over the past few years. And, and I've noticed that teenagers in particular have a lot of difficulty communicating with adults, especially. Yeah. And and not all teenagers, obviously I'm painting with a very broad brush here. Uh, but I've had a lot of experiences with, with teenagers who just really weren't able to communicate, um, with adults. So our, our desire here today is to kind of if that if that teenager describes you a little bit, the desire is to kind of help you out a little bit. Uh, but even as adults, even as parents, we still struggle with communication. So so why don't we talk about two different types of communication today? The first being, are you ready for this? Yep. Are you excited? It is written communication. Yeah. So I really feel like this is um a common thing that people struggle with because first of all, I'm horrible at it. I mean, I know we're talking about email here as well, but I, or a lot of email, but I struggle with texting because I just don't want to take the time to like make sure the grammar's right. Or I've spelled everything correctly. And my phone wants to help me air quotes, help me with that. And it ends up sending something that makes absolutely no sense. So written communication is a big deal. And I think one of the, what I look for in written communication is exactly what I don't offer attention to detail and a prompt response. Yeah. And and there are so many different types of modern day written communication. We don't just have pen pals anymore. No, I would imagine most people who are listening to this right now probably don't write letters like in the like in the good old days. Right, right, right. But like you mentioned, there's there's email and there's texting and there's DMs and there's all sorts of different ways to communicate digitally in a written form. And so you just mentioned promptness. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's one of the the critical aspects that we want to talk about today in terms of written communication. So when someone sends you some kind of message, a DM, an email, a text, whatever it is, are you good about getting back to them in a prompt, timely matter? Uh, and I'm thinking about myself and I would say, and you know this about me, with email, I'm pretty good about getting a, a pretty quick response to yes. people texting and dms not not <laughs> as as much if if i get a text or a, a dm from you I'm, I'm definitely a lot slower to respond to that yeah so one of the techniques that i use in order to try to assure that i have prompt communication with people that are are sending me messages is something called inbox zero and this is not unique to to us but rather something that's been around for a number of years and so we all have all sorts of different inboxes in our life. We have in, we have email inboxes, we have voicemail inboxes, we have DM inboxes, we have text message inboxes, we have inboxes 
of inboxes of inboxes. And my goal once a day, and I don't always hit this goal, but my mm -hmm. goal once a day at, at least Monday through Friday is to get down to zero messages in my inbox. So I spend every day going through all my inboxes, responding to who I need to respond to, deleting what I need to delete, filing away what I need to, to file away, and, and just taking care of the things I need to take care of so that I can have a nice, clean email Empty. inbox or yeah. whatever the inbox is that we're, we're talking about. But beyond that, the people who have contacted me then have gotten a response. response. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really important. It lets you know that you're involved, you're paying attention, you're kind of like making eye contact with them, so to speak, throughout this uh, conversation that you're having via messaging. Right, exactly. So something to think about, prompt communication. When you're uh, engaging in, in written communication, are you responding quickly? Are you responding promptly? The other thing I wanted to talk about is the communication that that you're sending, is it professional? Now, if you're sending a text message to your best friend, you don't really have to be professional about right. that. Emojis are allowed. Yeah. You and I sent text messages back and forth to each other, and usually I don't even understand what you're saying to I've me. Already, I've already admitted my faults. Okay. So, but what we are talking about here is, is when, say, a teenager in particular has to send a message to a teacher, to a coach, maybe to a, a parent, to a, an employer, to a boss, a manager, whatever the case may be, you can send that message as if that person is just like your best friend and you can send it with spelling errors and typos and, mm -hmm. you know, it can be a total mess. Or you can take the extra few seconds and actually uh, make it a little bit more on the professional side. Yeah. And I think that's so important to be professional and to present yourself in a great manner because you really are presenting yourself. It's an extension of you, how you respond to or how you send an email or ask for information on something or whatever it is that you're doing, whatever the situation is, it's an opportunity to present yourself well when you pay attention to the details and you strive for excellence, which is also professionalism. Yeah, exactly. And and as someone who's on the receiving end of a lot of messages from uh, from teenagers, but even from parents, it's it's amazing how often I do get messages that are, let's just say, far from professional, <laughs> way far from uh, professional, where it's just, wow, you can just kind of tell they just tap this out on their on their keyboard real quickly and hit submit. And, you know, that there was no effort given to that. Yeah, and, probably doesn't make you feel great either. No, and it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to come across judgy. The point's not to judge anyone about any of this, but but certainly you get a vibe about a person based on how they're communicating with you, even, yeah. even in a written format. Yeah, that's format. a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So promptness, certainly important. Professional, certainly important. And then this one I'm a little bit of a stickler for, I think because you are my my mom was just Your always all about like being polite. Yes. Like you've got to be polite. And and this is a great third critical aspect of written communication because it, it also is so important in verbal communication. But yes, you absolutely have to be polite in every manner. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does make a difference. So if you're if you're sending a let's say an email, we'll keep using the email analogy, and and let's say you're sending it to your employer, you need to ask uh, regarding some time off or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You're gonna want to start that email with just some some niceties, mm -hmm. some politeness, if you will, and you know, hey, hey, Mister Foreman, 
uh, <laughs> you know, how's it going? Hope your hope your day is going well or whatever it is you might say to them. So before you just send an email, just, just you know, with your list of demands or asking or letting them know what it is that you want, just taking that extra sec second to to craft a sentence that just shows some politeness and you know, end it with a nice thank you. And, mm -hmm. you know, I like pleases and thank yous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely gives your, it gives your email, which is difficult or your written communication, which can sometimes be difficult, a warmth. You know what I mean? That you're going to be able to yep. communicate to the other person. So there's a lot of communication happening in written communication. And of course we all know that we're going to talk about written. We just did talk about written and we're going to talk about another form as well, but there's many different forms of communication and they all kind of interlink. So being polite is a great way to not only warm up the DM or the email that you are sending or even the text message that you are sending, but also a way to make someone feel welcome face-to-face -face or on the phone. Yeah, 100%. So three critical aspects of written communication, promptness, professionalism, and politeness. If you can start exercising those three within your written communication, especially to those more important and formal messages, that would be a really good thing. So what about the second type of communication that's not written? Yeah, so we're obviously talking about verbal communication here, and there's a lot that goes into verbal communication, but we're not going to be able to touch on all of them for time. But for the, the main thing that I think teens can benefit from hearing is that you need to listen as someone else is talking. Zone out of everything else that's going on. Focus on the person who is communicating with you so that you can listen and learn how to respond appropriately. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Stephen Covey uh, has a quote that I really like that I think fits in very, very well with what you just said. And, and he says this, most people do not listen with the intent to understand, but they listen with the intent to respond. Yeah. And certainly we've all had those situations where someone's talking to you and you're just kind of waiting to just jump in the second there. They put a period at the end of the sentence or the second they take a breath, you're ready to just jump in there and respond. And you barely have given any thought to understanding what the, the person is is talking about. And so that I kind of I think brings us to this concept of active listening. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of different ways you could define active listening. And there are a lot of different elements of active listening but there's there's seven that we just wanted to kind of go through today that will will give you an idea of of how you can listen so that the person speaking knows that you're listening right they're in tune with the fact that you're in tune yes that's a, that's exactly right that's a good way to put it so uh, seven parts of active listening and here's the first one attentiveness mm-hmm are you mentally engaged with what the person is saying? Right. So when I think of attentiveness, I hear in my brain, I hear like, is the person making eye contact with me or am I making eye contact with them? Do I have their attention, so to speak? Right. And so if the person knows that you really are attentive to what you're saying, uh, they're going to be encouraged by that. They're, they're, it's just going to be a good conversation. It's going to be a good piece of communication. So that first one there is attentiveness. Are you mentally engaged? And then the second one is empathy. So the idea of like not just like understanding, but emotional understanding. Sure. Where you're really going out of your way to not just understand what they're saying, but feel what they're saying, to be empathetic to what they're saying. 
that's going to make the conversation a lot better for you and a lot better for them. Yeah. And you're saying empathy with EM, like an EM empathy. M. So like if I'm not being attentive, I'm apathetic, which is spelled with an A. And that's the complete opposite. It's like exactly. complete negative, like a, a, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it's completely negative feelings. I feel nothing. I care not. But if I am attentive to this person, I can... I can emotionally connect with them and understand what they're going through, which is empathy, which is what right. we're looking for. Yeah. Apathetic communication is not really a skill that uh, <laughs> we want to we want to promote here or have anyone develop. But uh, yeah, empathetic uh, communication is is a good one. So number three is feedback. Are you giving them verbal and nonverbal cues as they're speaking that you're really actually paying attention what is your uh what does your body language look like what is your eye contact like uh are you are you looking around are you playing on your phone while they're talking to you right. or are you making it clear through kind of the visual feedback that you're presenting that you actually are paying attention yeah i hate that i hate when people are playing on their phone when i'm trying to have like a real conversation with them i love eye contact i love when someone kind of leans in and I know they're listening to me. I know it, that I have their attention and it allows me to trust them more. Like they're paying attention to me. So I'm going to be able to say, I'm going to be heard with what I have to say here, which is really awesome. Right. Exactly. And so, uh, so far we've been attentiveness, empathy, feedback. And the next one, number four is being judgment free. Yeah. I struggle with this one. Yeah. I feel like my face jumps out in front of me. <laughs> People know what you're thinking and know exactly. if you're judging them. And I'm like, oh, I think they, I think they can see what I'm thinking here. Well, this is this is a tough one, especially in today's day and age, because we're so divided on so many different things as a society. So, if someone's talking to you, especially about an opinion, you know, with which you disagree, it's very easy to start not giving that person the benefit of the doubt yeah, or it is. Uh, of making some assumptions about that person that may or may not be true or just ultimately judging them for their opinion. Right. But I will say this, like these seven parts of active listening really build on each other though. Like if I'm, I can be judgment free if I'm giving positive feedback and I'm empathetic because I've been attentive to the actual person in the situation, you know what I mean? Like they really yeah. do build on each other to allow you to have a full conversation that's satisfying for both or whoever is involved in it. Yeah, very good point. All right, so number five, reflection. As they're talking or right as they they finish talking, reflection is this idea of kind of summarizing or clarifying what it is they just said. So sometimes you'll hear people say, so if I'm hearing you right, yeah. dot, 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 or I think what you're saying is dot, dot, dot. And it's a way of just reflecting back to them what they just communicated to you. Um, and then they know you're listening, uh, which is good, but also at the same time, you're getting that clarity around what they just said and a deeper understanding of what they they just said, which actually takes us to the next one. Numbers five and six kind of go hand in hand. So you've got reflection number five, but number six is questioning. So as they as they have spoken, they've communicated, they've said what they want to say, what does it look like then to engage them in open-ended questions that allow them to dig a little deeper into what they just said and an open-ended question being a question that is not just a yes or no question but rather a question that the answer is going to be a little bit more uh, nuanced and deeper 
Yeah, definitely involved. I think that questioning is one of the things that I'm decent at with active listening. I had a friend say to me once, um, you always ask so many questions. And I thought, oh, well, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to know more about the situation. I want to understand the details. I kind of want to get into the nitty gritty. And um, yeah, I think that was maybe new to her, but also allowed us to have full conversations and, and really understand what was going on in each other's lives, which was valuable to us. Yeah, very much so. Okay, and then our last one, our last part of active listening is silence. Silence. Allow for silence. Oh, it's cringing just as you're doing that, yeah. sir. Yeah, I mean, everyone who's listening to this podcast just looked up like, why did it? Why did it just get silent? Right. We we don't like silence in our conversations. It's it's awkward. It's weird. But uh, when someone is speaking with us. It sure does make sense to just let the conversation breathe a little bit. Let there be some silence. Don't feel like we have to jump in the moment the person takes a quick breath yeah. or the 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 very microsecond of uh, the period is on the the sentence that we have to jump in immediately with our our response. And that's a that's a tough one for a lot of us. I would yeah. say that's a tough one for for me as well to just even allow those moments of silence. So wrapping up that part, seven parts of active listening, attentiveness, empathy, feedback, being judgment-free, reflection, questioning, and silence. And I would say if if all of us, me and you, the teenagers listening, the parents of teenagers listening, if all of us were able to better practice these seven parts of active listening, our verbal communication would just skyrocket between between each other. Yep. If there's one, uh, if seven feels a little like a lot to work on, ask someone who's close to you what they feel you might struggle with yeah. or what they could most benefit. Like if you're having a conversation, if you're a teen, you're having a conversation with your mom and you feel like she's never judgment free, like just, hey, could you just work on could, maybe I just want to be able to talk to you without instant judgment. Like you can have an opinion, but maybe not instant judgment. And that can help your conversation and kind of heal and restore some of those relationships around conversations or situations that are challenging. So there's a lot of lot to active listening, but it can really be beneficial if you break it down piece by piece. Exactly. I like it. So we're going to leave you with a, uh, a question uh, to, to be thinking about. And uh, here it is. What important com- uh, communication do you need to engage in this week? So think about the next several days. Is there a conversation that you need to have? And if you're a teenager, is it a an important conversation with your your parents or if you have a job do you need to talk to your boss about some time off or uh, if you if you're on a uh, athletic team do you need to talk to your coach about the practice schedule or uh, whatever it is do you have kind of an important conversation coming up in the next 7 days that you can think of and if so then what does it look like for you to think through some of these parts of active listening? So how can you engage in active listening during that conversation? Uh, Or even if it's written communication, uh, what does it look like to make sure that your written communication is prompt, professional, and polite? Yep. Practice those three things and you'll really grow in your communication. Communication is a social skill that will really uh, get you further than you expect to go uh, if you're able to do it well. Yeah, 100%. And one of the things to to think about as we close here is um, sometimes we select the easiest way to communicate as the way we communicate. 
And sometimes the easiest way to communicate is not the way we should be communicating or not the most appropriate communicating. Absolutely. Like if you're dating someone and you're going to break up with them, maybe don't do that over text. Right, right. Don't um, leave it on a post-it either. Yeah, maybe don't leave it on a post-it. That's <laughs> that's also, uh, but as you think about that important conversation that you have coming up in the next week, maybe figure out what's the most appropriate way for me to have that. Is it is it verbal or is it written? And if it's written, is it is it text? Is it email? Or if it's verbal, is it in person? Is it over the phone? Like, what is the most appropriate method? Not the easiest method, yeah. but the the most appropriate method for that important conversation that's a really good point i totally agree so that's it that's that's what we got for you my friend so hopefully as you think about communicating that this was uh very helpful and as uh elizabeth joy just said learning to be a better communicator is one of the best things you can do uh, to become essentially the best version of yourself and that's ultimately what we want for you guys whether you're a teenager the parent of a teenager we want everyone listening to become the very best version of themselves because at the end of the day, Liz and I also want to become the very best versions of ourselves. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Mindsets to Methods podcast with your hosts, Arthur C. Woods and Elizabeth Joy Woods. For more information, please visit their website at arthurcwoods.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Arthur C. Woods.